You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 85. Talk about the power of Pinterest with Kylie Carlson. Kylie Carlson is the owner of the Wedding Academy, a globally known education organization for industry pros. Since its start in 2007, the Academy has launched the careers of over 4,000 wedding planners, including yours truly, with their certification courses, and Kylie has devoted her time to empowering other CEOs and entrepreneurs to build a meaningful, powerful career. She's also the founder of Wedding CEO Club and the Wedding CEO Podcast. And today, Kylie is with me to talk about, you guys, Pinterest. Listen, if y'all aren't pinning, I don't know what to tell you. Go get to pinning. But before that, listen to Kylie and I talk about why and how and when you should be pinning. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, loves. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to take a minute and talk to you about your proposals. If you're anything like me, you have sent out a staggering number of new proposals uh, in the last couple of weeks as we seem to be careening wildly toward wedding season 2021. Now, if you're a wedding planner who uses Isle Planner or HoneyBook to send your proposals, I have some bad news for you. You're out there looking like everybody else. I really love using Isle Planner or HoneyBook for my contracts, but for my proposals, I make sure I stand out by using gorgeous Canva templates. They are easy to customize for your business and for each specific client, which if you listen to me at all, you know that I know is very important for closing sales. I've been using these specific Canva templates for years, and now I am sharing them with you. The truth is over 32,000 wedding planners use HoneyBook. That's 32,000 planners all sending fairly identical proposals. Does that number blow your mind? Because it totally blew mine. And like I said, I love using our CRMs for contracts and payments. But for that first touch, that proposal, I want my clients to have a fully custom experience. Now, my Canva templates are simple, really easy to use. They're not complicated. They don't stress out our clients. They don't stress out you. And all of our templates have a sales page built into them. So we will help you close the sale authentically and in a way that you feel really great about. So go check out the templates now. There's a video for you on the page at reneedallow.com forward slash proposal. That's reneedallow.com forward slash proposal. You can get yourself some templates, import them into Canva and start using them today. I want you to have the most successful booking season ever, especially now when we need it more than ever. So check out reneedallow.com forward slash proposal. And now on with the show. Hello, hello, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is I, your host, Renee Dallow, as always, joined here by the extremely lovely and extremely knowledgeable Kylie Carlson. Kylie, how are you? I am so well, and that was such a lovely intro. Thank you. <laughs> you're so welcome. Well, you know, you're one of the first people I ever met in the wedding industry when I decided to, like, take this pro, because you and I met... I mean, a million years ago now, oh, I know. Alison Howard's refine workshop in San Diego, the very first one. 
my goodness, is that when it actually was that we physically yeah. met? Yeah, that would be seven years maybe ago. Possibly more. <laughs> it feels it feels like a very long time ago. A lot has happened since then. <laughs> a lot has happened. You're absolutely right. But it's so nice to see the path you've gone on, the progression you've made, and how far you've come since we first met. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I talk about it a little on the podcast, or I've mentioned it a couple of times, but things happened for me fairly quickly in the wedding industry. Like it, yeah. it sort of it's kind of all clicked into place and it was like I went from like being at that very first workshop to being like I don't know can I do this as a business to having like a full year booked out and being like oh that's unusual and I don't often talk about that part of it like the very beginning stages because I don't want anyone listening to the show who is in that really early stage to be like well it happened for Renee really quickly it's like that was a fluke or or it was yeah. like the combination of like right person right time right energy it's not going to happen that way for for many people so no, and everybody's journey is different as well. You know, yes. it, different time, different places, you say, everything has to align for that sort of thing to happen. Yeah. Well, back when we first met, Pinterest wasn't really uh, as big of a thing as it is now, right? I mean, I remember talking about Pinterest as like, oh, yeah, that place we put, we, the place we pin recipes. <laughs> that's exactly it. And that's kind of where the history of it has come from. It's like, oh, I can get some really great recipes or I can get some great interior design inspiration. That was always yes. the other one as well. Lots of wallpaper and gardens and as well as the recipes. <laughs> yes. I still go to Pinterest for um, for interior design because, you know, during the pandemic, all I did yeah. was redecorate my living room. <laughs> like that's my, my big project was like, hmm. My husband was like, why? I'm like, because we're here every day and I am bored. So that is what's happening. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Do you know what's funny? So way back in the day, even before I met you, this was back in like 2012. Yeah, it must have been because I wasn't married yet. I went to this conference in Palm Springs that was called Camp Mighty. And it was put on by, it was a blogging conference, put on by a bunch of bloggers. And they had all these special guests. And one of the special guests, the special speakers, was um, the founder of Pinterest, Ben, who literally got up on stage and said that Pinterest was sort of like a, it was a fluke because they were trying to, they had tried to create so many other different like apps that Pinterest was the one that took off, but the one that he was like, oh, let's try this one. I don't think this one's going to work. <laughs> you know what? Are all these years later. All the best ideas start that way. Yeah. I think sometimes putting too much thought into things is completely overrated. I know when I was a kid, my mum had this thing that she would always say to me is Kylie, you never, ever sit down and analyze things and think about things like, well, why would I? Feels right. I'm going to do it. And that would be the way I would go about things. So I'm actually a big believer in that type of thing coming off. And the fact that this is how it worked for them, I think is fantastic. But it has turned into this amazing platform, which is still, by the way, really underutilized by wedding pros. Now, that's funny that you say that because I feel like a lot of wedding pros I talk to, well, you know what I think we do is I think we overanalyze it, right? We have a Pinterest yeah. strategy and we need to know what the analytics are. And listen, I'm all for that, but I think there's a contingent of wedding pros that are really dialed in and then a bunch that are like, oh my God, I don't have any time for that. Yeah. And I think that's generally the ones that tend to be on it as far as their marketing is concerned, realize the value of Pinterest versus as much as we love Instagram. And I do love Instagram. I'm on there every day. But when you compare what you can get from a platform like 
Pinterest, where you can spend about two hours a week, have between 10 to 15 pins scheduled a day, compared to Instagram, where you can absolutely and completely obsess over posting one image, what you're going to say, and the hashtags that you're going to use, and then end up with about 20 likes. It kind of makes you wonder why we spend all this time obsessing over these other platforms when you've got something like Pinterest, which it's a visual search engine for a start. So it isn't a social media platform. It's that's the big difference. So I think one of the things I always try to get through to people is when you're on Pinterest, you're dealing with people that are in a different mindset, you know. The mindset is different from somebody that's vaguely sort of scrolling through Instagram or Facebook because they're bored to people on Pinterest who are actually looking for a solution to a problem. So they want to buy what you have and it's a matter of, you know, you being the solution to the problem they've got. So that's the difference. You know, it's a visual search engine. It doesn't work in the same way as Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, where you literally do get penalized for driving traffic off the platform and into your own space. Pinterest is the opposite. It actually encourages you to do that, but it doesn't penalize you for it in the same way as Instagram or Facebook does. As soon as you put up a link into a Facebook group, you know, the engagement on that post will just drop dramatically. Whereas with Pinterest, they are all about getting you to drive traffic to the place you want to drive it to. You know, I've never heard it described that way, but that's so correct. Do you think that our obsession with Instagram, though, uh, is just because it feels a little sexier? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so it's about getting yourself into a different mindset when you're doing the marketing on these two different platforms. And I completely get it. At the end of the day, Instagram is pushing so many different things at the moment, you know, from Instagram guides to the new keywords they're putting out there to reels. You know, we all love looking at people's stories. So they know how to attract us. But at the end of the day, anything I am going to spend my time on from a marketing or a business perspective, it has to give me an ROI, return on investment whether that's a return on investment on money I'm spending or whether it's a return on investment on the time, effort and energy I'm putting into something. And for me, I can tell you quite honestly that it is Pinterest 150% that drives the majority of the traffic for me from, if we class them all as social media platforms, from social media platforms. It's Pinterest, Pinterest all the way, compared to Instagram, which does drive some traffic, but it it's just so small by comparison that I don't need convincing. <laughs> it's like, it's very clink, like, it's very clunky to get from Instagram to, to one's website. Like, it's not, you know, especially if you have a lot of posts going or you have a lot of links, like, yeah. you have all those things but oftentimes it, and you know I go I'll go into someone's like link in bio and be like wait what was the thing I was looking for it's not direct at least with Pinterest it's like you could make a pin that goes just to one specific blog post or one specific post of a wedding like it, it gets very granular I think on Pinterest yeah you can I mean the thing for me with Pinterest is I like to think of Pinterest as a being I mean I'm a wine drinker so a lot of my analogies seem to come back to red wine um it's just a good place to be isn't it really (laughs) and so (laughs) Pinterest's like a fine wine it gets better with age whereas if you compare that to Instagram where if you don't get the traction within the first 24 hours you kind of it's all over Red Rover 
it's different with Pinterest. So, for example, I know that with around 35 to 40% of the blog posts that I've written in the last two to five years are the ones that are driving 80% of my traffic. So, in a way, Pinterest is almost like an investment in the same way as SEO is for your website. It takes time. There's no quick fixes. You've got to be patient with it. But oh my goodness, once you've got that traction happening with any of the evergreen content that you put out there, and what I mean by evergreen is things that don't age or go out of date. So, you know, if you're if you're telling somebody how to put together a wedding budget, for example, the steps you take to put a wedding budget together aren't going to go out of fashion next year. They're not trend driven or anything like that. That's your evergreen right. content. Then all you're needing to do is create fresh pin graphics that direct back to those particular blog posts. And as I say, you know, it just gets better with age. And that is what we're all after, something that kind of just happens and matures and keeps driving traffic over and over again without us having to obsess over it all the time. Yeah, we have a we have one of those evergreen blog posts on our wedding planning account. It's a post I wrote, I mean, so many years ago. I think I wrote it like eight years ago about <laughs> how to do your wedding seating chart. Like how, how, like the mindset and the the mechanics of like how to, how to seat people at your wedding. Like don't put your pregnant friends far away from the restroom kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the sort of thing that would do really well. Yeah. And you're right. All we do. And by we, I mean my assistant, cause I, you know, this is a thing that for sure you can outsource to someone else. A virtual assistant um, is a, this is a perfect job for them. She goes into Canva and creates a new, uh, like you said, a a pin graphic, like a a different, slightly different design and puts it back up on Pinterest. And it it keeps getting hits because it's a bit of advice that I think doesn't go out of style. And, and there's people are at different points of their journey when they seek it out. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. And also like the, the the great thing about Pinterest is that you can collect these ideas and images that you love. So even if someone pins it today, even if it isn't relevant for them for six months, you're still going to get that hit six months from now. So it really is like Pinterest is like the gift that keeps on giving for sure. That's a really good way to describe it. It absolutely is. And yes, it does take some work to set up. But, you know, there's some really interesting stats out there. And I scribbled a couple of them down for this podcast. But one of them that still gets me is that 81% of engaged pinners start planning on Pinterest before they're even engaged. Like, so oh, yeah. it's huge. Your ideal client, if you're in the wedding industry, is absolutely on Pinterest. I mean, planning weddings starts from such a young age. I mean, I don't know about you, but I spent massive amount of time when I was a kid marrying my dolls off to one another. You know, <laughs> like, it started at like five years old. I was, I played weddings all the time. You know, I used to, yeah. I had a neck curtain that hung up in my bedroom. Yeah, we, <laughs> like we had neck curtains when we were kids. I'm at, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And I'd stick it over my head and pretend it was a veil. You know, my hairbrush was a bunch of flowers. I was desperate to be a bride. So it, it starts it. early. <laughs> It's a funny thing that happens with my current clients, uh, and this has been true for the last couple of years, is that when I work with a brand new client, especially a full planning client, they'll say, do you want to see my Pinterest board? And now I say, yes, but what I really want to know is I want you to go through it and tell me which of these you really like. Because people are pinning so early, like you said, that by the time they hire me, they've got two years of pins and the ones at the bottom, probably completely irrelevant. 
to them currently. So like, I was like, I just want the greatest hits. Like show me where you are right now because some of those wedding boards are deep. Yeah, they are. And I think the problem from an, you know, a client's point of view is overwhelm. There's so much yes. choice. Um, and that kind of <laughs> accelerates it almost. And as you say, you end up with these Pinterest boards that are just a, a mishmash of nothing. You know, you've got beautifully curated, modern looking aesthetic to cowboy hats. And, right. you, know, <laughs> and you think, right. hold right. on a moment, how do those two even possibly go together. So you're absolutely right. As a wedding, as a wedding pro, when you're working with a client, that is a very, very different approach to using Pinterest to drive traffic. So I tend to focus on the driving traffic thing because that's where a lot of people yes. struggle is to get traffic to go to their website. And as I said, you know, on most other social media platforms, it's a big no-no. You know, they want you to keep people on their platform. Whereas Pinterest doesn't. And, you know, there's like anything to do with your wedding business or the marketing of your wedding business, there has to be a strategy behind what you're doing. And it can absolutely triple the traffic to your website. But again, it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to be patient. You've got to put in the hard work, but you will see results if you do it properly and you have a strategy like anything else. Now, when you talk about, you know, pinning images to, to the boards, do you suggest that wedding pros are only pinning their own work to their Pinterest boards or can they pin other people's? And if so, like what's the, what's the strategy there? Okay. Um, that's a question we hear quite a lot actually. And yes, you do want to be pinning other people's work as well. It's not just your own work that you want to be pinning. Um, and the biggest thing to remember with pinning other people's content is don't just pin willy nilly without actually clicking through and looking at the post because they look at everything that you put on there, your pins, other people's pins. So they're trying to evaluate how valuable your account is. And the point of your Pinterest account is to provide the most value possible to your audience. So you can do that with your pins, but you can also do it with pins that complement your content. So like I said, Pinterest is a search engine. So if you think about Google just for a minute, Google obviously is a search engine. But what if there was only one source of information from just one person on Google? A, it would be really boring. Um, and B, we all learn differently. So one person isn't going to be able to resonate and teach everyone in the world. It just doesn't make sense. Pinterest is the same way. So some people are going to resonate with particular wedding pros and some will resonate with other ones. So this isn't about turning your audience away but it's kind of giving them more resources to choose from. So this shows your audience that your Pinterest page has a big wealth of knowledge. And really, that in itself is going to keep them coming back for more because you want to provide value to your audience. You want to be the go-to for your wedding niche. And that is where other people's pins come into play. And plus, when you pin other people's pins, they're more likely to return the favor. You know, they're more likely to repin any valuable content that you've written because, well, generally we're quite nice people and so it's a nice thing to do, you know, return the compliment. And right. often they'll check out your blog post. They'll get value from what you're writing about as well. So you give yourself more traffic at the same time as showing your value to Pinterest. Now, ratio-wise, you want to be aiming for 80% of your own pins and 20% of other people's once you're up and running. 
it doesn't work like that at the beginning. Quite often, there'll be more of other people's content than there is of your own until you've got, you know, blog posts that you can use, until you've got images of your portfolio that are put into pins that you know are going to work, you know, until you've got freebies that you can be posting as pins, until you've got that stuff set up, then yes, the ratio will probably be more skewed the other way. Now, what do you think about wedding pros who are wanting to pin to Pinterest, but they say, well, the photos that I have of my own work aren't really reflective of the work I wish I were doing. So like, say someone wants to move into a premium market and they're right now in budget or, or like for a photographer, maybe they only have photos that are a different edit than what they're currently doing. Should they still be pinning those images? I would say no, not if it's not what you want to be known for, but you don't, here's the thing. When it comes to pinning images on Pinterest, you shouldn't just be pinning images of your work. You know, as I've just said, one of the biggest strategies on Pinterest is blogging because every pin that you pin onto Pinterest, you want that to go back to your website in some way, shape or form. Um, I mean, this is, you know, all part and parcel of setting up your Pinterest account in the right way. You want to make sure you claim your website. You want to make sure you have a business account for a start. But images of your work is just one side of the coin. So let's say, taking that example you've just um, given me of somebody wanting to change direction for where their wedding business is going and the type of clients they want to work with, for example, what you could start doing is posting images of inspiration boards instead that you've created of images that you would like to start working with or any styled shoots that you might have done that are reflective of this new look that you're after doing. But the biggest thing about Pinterest is actually, believe it or not, which I find so bizarre considering it is a visual search engine, is that it's actually text images that do better than anything else. Not that I'm saying that you should do all text images, absolutely not, because we are in a visual industry. But there's so much more that you can be posting on Pinterest until you've got the images that you want to post of your work. I mean, your lead magnet or freebie is absolutely something that you should be pinning. Every single one of you listening to this show should have a freebie of some description that you use to get people's email address when you drive them off of your social media platforms and onto your website. And then, of course, there's your services. You should be pinning those. What do you do? What do you offer? How can people work with you or buy from you? All of these things can be created as pins for Pinterest. It doesn't just have to be your work. So when you say text images, you mean like a graphic we can make in Canva, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's where I (laughs) I make all of my Pinterest um, images. Or I don't. Somebody does it for me. I'm not very good at that type of thing. Um, But (laughs) if I wanted to, yes, there's so much that you can do in Canva. It's just so easy. I mean... There are a few do's and don'ts with images. For a start, you want to make sure that your images use, don't use fancy fonts. Fancy fonts is one of the worst things that you can do because fancy fonts, people can't read them properly. What you've got to remember is people are using, generally, they're using Pinterest on their phone or on their mobile. So everything is super small. So you need to keep that sort of thing in your mind when you're thinking about it. You want a strong call to action. Tell people what you want them to do. You know, that sort of thing is absolutely key. And even though buttons don't work on Pinterest, we often find when we've compared a lot of the pins that we've designed, the ones that have little buttons on them that look like you can click on them work better than anything else. 
because it's that yeah it's that it's that feeling of oh I'm supposed to click on this so yes, they do psycho- we've been trained psychology psychology yeah. is trained click on the button yes absolutely I, oh I love that that's really that see see friends that come to this podcast because we give you the scoop Uh, yeah no that's amazing we do you know what we do and this is um for anyone listening who i mean if you have a podcast great but if you've been a guest on a podcast make sure that you're blogging about that and you're making your own pin uh for that podcast and pinning that every so often because we see so much traffic to our show from pinterest because we have a pretty robust pin schedule for the episodes that is really good advice and i'll tell you something now if you want to stand out on pinterest the best types of pins that you can create right now are video pins because they are the most underutilized pins and just like with any other platform pinterest favors video so if you can do some Pinterest pins that are video, you will stand out far and above everyone else. And going back to what you were saying about the podcast side of things. So I actually turn my episodes, I do little 60 second snapshots of the intro. So I turn the intro into a video that has me talking, but it also has my subtitles on it. And we pin those to Pinterest all the time and they far outperform any other pin unless it's a video pin. So there's creative ways that you can do that. That's amazing. I love that. Especially if someone listening is a guest, has been a guest on a show, you can just get that little snippet from your own recording. You don't even have to record anything new if you don't have the technology to do it. So talk to me about frequency of pinning, because I can already tell that people listening are going to be like, that's great, Renee, but I don't have all day to pin. So what do you suggest? Is there an algorithm? Like, how do we figure it out? Oh my goodness, I'd be a rich woman if I had a pound for every time I'd have that question. Um, In the past, Pinterest had recommended five to 10 pins a day. But if you are a brand new account, this is a good place to start but you're going to need to bump it up if you want to grow. So the sweet spot is between 15 to 25 pins per day, but don't panic. It sounds a lot harder than what it actually is, but if you really want to be able to manage it properly, and I'll tell you now, we only spend about two hours a week scheduling our pins on Pinterest, and we're up to about 15, between 15 to 20. We haven't hit 25 yet, and I'm not sure that we will, but we're up at 15 to 20. Use a scheduler like Tailwind because there's so many strategies. Ah, Honestly, it is the best thing. And they are in cahoots with Pinterest. They get to find out all the little tips, tricks, new things that are coming up way before anyone else. And I'll tell you something, last year, towards the back end of last year, Tailwind came up with this amazing thing called Tailwind Create. And it creates pins, not just pins, but highly pinnable, clickable pins at the press of a button. It is insane. I tried it, uploaded a few different things to it, a few different images and what have you, and it's for a blog post, and it spat out five different pins at me and I went oh my god they're so much better than anything we've been creating and of course you know what they're doing so Pinterest yeah Tailwind Create sorry is now is that an add-on to the regular Tailwind or is it included um we got it included but we've partnered with them um I in all honesty I think it's probably an add-on but oh my God, it's so powerful because they, again, like I say, they know what they're doing. They know what's working. When the algorithm changed at the end of last year, they were the first people to know about it. And 
they let you in. They have all sorts of different strategies within their own platform being Tailwind and they can make sure you, you know, you don't go to Pinterest jail. They, you know, they know when you should be pinning and all of these different things. So, you know, and of course it's a scheduler. So working with, I mean, it doesn't have to be Tailwind. There's others out there. I can talk about Tailwind because we use it. So I know how well it works, but that takes a lot of the stress out of the pinning scenario for you, because remember, you're not just pinning your own content, you're pinning other people's content as well. And the thing to remember is whenever you create a blog post, the first thing I want you to get used to doing is pinning or creating five different pins for each blog post that you write. And that is such an easy way to be getting pins out there. And don't just think about the blog posts that you've written in this last you know, couple of months, go back over old blog posts. I mean, I've been blogging since 2007. Um, so I seriously have a lot of posts to go through. And often when we don't have time to come up with a new blog post, we'll go through the archives and get rid of some that just aren't relevant anymore. But there's always some absolute nuggets and gems in there where you go, oh, I've forgotten I'd written this. So you give it a little bit of a spring clean, a little bit of a freshen up, and off we go. Create five pins. There we go. Old piece of content that's already doing well in Google is now up on Pinterest. So it doesn't have to be hard getting to the point where you're doing 10 a day. I mean, I am a Tailwind lover, so I agree with you. I'm also, I'm hearing, I'm hearing my audience through the interwebs going like, Ah, shit, I haven't blogged last year. And you know what? We were in a pandemic and we still are. And so that's okay. But maybe this is the push you need to get to blogging so that you have something to pin. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. You know, blogging is the biggest part of the strategy for Pinterest. And you kind of just have to get your head around it. But blogging doesn't have to take up lots and lots of time. And of course, one blog post, and this isn't strictly speaking about Pinterest, but one blog post, you can disseminate it into so many different things. When I write a blog post, it goes out by email. I do a Facebook Live on it. I'll do a podcast episode on it. I break it up into about 10 different Facebook posts. I talk about it on Instagram stories, and I create a ton of pins. One blog post. That is the way to repurpose your content, folks. I mean, that is the best thing. I think sometimes when we do the blog posting or like when we take the time to write the blog, it's like that feels like a giant hill to climb, right? So you write the blog and then you're like, whew, that's done. But that's just the beginning. Oh, yeah. Right? And so if you're listening and you're like, oh, damn, I haven't done any of that. It's not too late to go back, right, to any blog post you've written in the past and create the pins, make the Facebook posts. I mean, you can do all of that. Because it doesn't, if no one had read it or if you never promoted it past the one time you posted about it, yeah, these things get a, can have a much more of a life. I mean, that is how content, real content creators, like actual people who blog for a living and all these people we admire on the internet who are big names, like that is how their content teams handle things, exactly the way Kylie just described. So That's you can fine. do that on, for yourself. You can. And the other thing to remember, and I'll give you some tips here is easy ways to write blog posts involve giving tips where it's three ways to do this, five ways to do that, seven ways to do that, and always use odd numbers, by the way. Um, Even numbers don't work. Trust me, I've tried it, and it just doesn't have the same traction. But that then, if you're doing, and I tend to like um, anything either five or seven or nine, why? 
because then that gives me either five, seven or nine Instagram posts, Facebook posts, etc., to be able yes. to easily whip out there. It isn't difficult. And most of you will be able to think of five ways to do X, Y, Z that are relevant to your particular niche. So what I'm saying is blog posts don't have to be an episode of War and Peace. They really don't. They just have to be valuable and useful and you know I mean there's lots of different copywriting tips I could give you but that's not what this podcast is about but what I'm saying is that blogs can give you value for such a long time and remember there's always new people finding you always new people coming across you that won't have read that amazing blog post that you wrote nine months ago when you were inspired and only talked about once. So absolutely dive back into the archives and use those as the things that you start pinning. First of all, don't make it too hard for yourself. Don't, you know, give yourselves reasons to not pin on Pinterest when you've probably got a ton of content that you could. And if anything else fails, then try things like, really good quotes or just even if you don't have a blog post at the moment one really good tip that you would give every single client that you've got turn that tip into five different pins you know you you don't have to make it too difficult it's very easy to get going what do you say to people who have questions about the location specific nature of pinterest as in they don't feel that it is or that it can be because like i know i've had other wedding pros say to me like oh i don't bother with pinterest because those people aren't in our market and i'm like well of course they are. They're everywhere. But what is your take on that? Uh, okay. So for me, it just comes down to keywords. So one of the things that we tell our students who are on our Pinterest course, we always say to them, the first thing you want to do is get very, very specific with your keywords in your pin descriptions, in your profile description, in your board description, you use geographic location. So if you're a London wedding planner, you say you're a London wedding planner. If you're a Texan wedding planner, you say that you do weddings in Texas or wherever you happen to be. So I don't buy that. I think that people around the world are on Pinterest. There is a huge contingency in the US, Canada, UK and Europe in general who are using Pinterest and the, the stats don't lie. The wedding side of things is absolutely huge. People are planning their weddings on Pinterest. It doesn't really matter where you live. You just have to be smart with your keywords to make sure people find you because people are treating it more like a search engine. So like yeah. I say, make sure you have your location in all of your descriptions. And I just want to put in put this out there for the record that like if you're doing style shoots and you're not putting them on Pinterest, shame on you. Because yeah. my problem with Pinterest just and it's not a problem, but it's the thing that I see often is that because I'm in Los Angeles, we we tend to be at the beginning of a trend, right? Yeah, we were doing neon signs at weddings two years before they were popular. But the reason they became popular is because those of us in LA started pinning our weddings with neon signs and everyone was like, oh, neon. Meanwhile, we had moved on from neon, right? So yeah. Pinterest is getting the quote unquote trends like a, like a whole season late because by the time we get our photos back and then we blog about them and then we pin them, it's been a you know six months at least since the wedding. So Pinterest is not the place to go for trends Pinterest no. to me is the place where I'm like, oh, did they just finally catch on to the boho thing? Hmm. All yeah, right. you're spot And then on. I know we're going to start seeing it in Michael's craft shop, craft shop, right? So if you're doing a, a style shoot that is trend forecasting, you better be pinning that because that is rare on Pinterest as far as I've seen. 
it's very, very rare. Pinterest is not the place I go for trend inspiration. Not at all. I mean, as you know, we we publish at the Academy, we publish the International Wedding Trend Report. Pinterest yes. is not one of our go-tos, not by a long shot, because as you say, it's yeah. done. And I think six months is actually being quite generous. Often it's, you know, it's <laughs> 12 yeah, months. Nine months to a year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I would I would love to see Pinterest become a place where we do post more current things, but I also understand the workflow of photographers and planners and we're the ones but basically doing most of the blogging. And you know, it takes a while for these things to get published on a major publication as well. So yeah, I often see new wedding planners like hitting up Pinterest to be like, What's popular? I'm like, No, 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 don't don't do that. No, no <laughs> I mean, do that not. so that you know, but but don't don't think that that's like gospel truth because that's not how it works. Kylie, talk a little bit about about the trend report since you mentioned it because just in case people listening don't know where they can get it and what it is. Oh, sure. Yes. Sorry. I just automatically, it's because it's on my mind at the moment. So every year we publish the International Wedding Trend Report, which um, probably shouldn't really tell you this, but it was one of the things I dreamt up about seven years ago after several bottles of wine with a friend of mine. Nice. <laughs> Isn't that where all the best ideas come from that at is, the end of the really day? Is. It really is. Oh, we were talking about, and how can we stand out? We want to be the go-to place that people come and get educated in the wedding industry. We want people talking about us for all the right reasons. And somehow or another, we got around to the trend report. Anyway, the, the, the trend report is a collaboration um, between the Wedding Academy, um, who publishes it, and around 100 plus wedding pros globally. So what we look for are exactly what Renee was describing, trend setting forecasters, people that are on, you know, the other end of things where they're, they're the trend setters, not the trend followers. And so we work with them to find out what's trending in various different regions around the world, because obviously, as much as we like to think that it's only our own region that matters, there's lots of different regions out there, all planning weddings. Um, this year, we did have to pivot it. We didn't talk about the pretty as much. We thought we needed something that was very actionable, um, to really help people move their businesses forward. So we focused very heavily on marketing and business trends. We still have the pretty in there. Um, people like Mindy Weiss and Eddie Zaratzian all commenting um, on various different things that they're seeing coming to the forefront of design and styling and florals and cakes, etc. But very much this year, like a lot of people, we've pivoted the report so that it's very much focused on marketing and business trends but it's in its seventh year now so it's sort of got bigger than Ben Hur. <laughs> I love it so we'll post a link to that in the show notes for sure and then you also mentioned a Pinterest class can anyone take that or is that just for your no, academy students? No no not at all it's I, I developed it um, last year and it's now been up and running for nearly a year and yes, it is open to anybody, but it is specifically for wedding pros. So it isn't a course that's generic. I have written it from a wedding perspective. Lots and lots and lots of wedding examples on there. We give you pin templates, et cetera, et cetera. And you can get that off of my website as well, which obviously I will give you the link to for Love you it. to share. We'll post that in the show notes as well. So generally speaking, aside from the trend report and the class, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I am absolutely on Instagram, the dreaded Instagram, but I feel bad because I've been Instagram bashing on this podcast and I didn't mean to, it wasn't like that. Um, I, it's just at kyliecarlson.co and then I have a Facebook group where I do a Cocktails with Kylie 
every Wednesday. Ooh. Well, you know, you've got to have fun. I did tell you I was very alcohol based, so I hope your audience <laughs> loves it. <laughs> I love it. Um, and that is at uh, my Facebook group, which is Wedding CEO Club. So very easy to find. Fabulous. We will post links to all of that in the show notes, and uh, I know everyone will go and check it out. Listeners, thank you so much for being here with us. I know that your time is precious and valuable, and we love that you shared it with us. Kylie, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, I've been a fan of yours for such a long time, so it's lovely to have you here in my space. Well, thank you for having me. It was, I don't know where that last 35, 36 minutes have gone. It just flew by. It does. It always flows by when we have a good topic and good guests. So thank you again. (laughs) All right, friends, we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.